It's time to head out on the front porch on KFRM. Grab your favorite drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation on the front porch. Tamara Wallace here on the front porch with Garrison Panzer, originally from Lakin, Kansas. He's only 26 years old, but rodeo has been in his whole life. Garrett started announcing rodeos at the age of 18 and became a PRCA rodeo announcer in that short amount of time. He announces for numerous organizations. Garrison keeps the rodeo in motion. As an announcer, he keeps the crowds entertained and the competitors informed. He is what keeps the rodeo successful. Be a blessing because you are blessed, are the last words Garrison says at the end of the rodeo. Welcome to On the Front Porch, Garrison. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's a pleasure to be able to talk with you. Garrison, let's start at the beginning. Tell us about your childhood. Well, I was very fortunate to grow up with very close family and everything that we did. It was pretty good for us to be involved in every aspect of what my dad and uh, mom and grandparents and everybody, you know, we all we all did everything together. You know, every rodeo we traveled to, it was mainly because my dad and granddad were rodeo judges. My dad still is, granddad since retired. We all got to travel together a lot, everybody involved. We lived in Lake in Kansas, and uh, that's where my dad and his sister and uh, grandparents and everybody kind of grew up, and that was a good place for us to be for a lot of reasons. It helped us to uh, be able to practice a lot more. My brother and I, when we were younger, competing in rodeo, and the other uh, benefit to it, uh, it was home to J&J Rodeo Company, and uh, that's essentially how I got my start, uh, just being connected with the right people and being in that town and having the support system and group that, that I did. One of those childhoods that I think more kids these days probably need more of, honestly, because we were raised right by great parents. You know, we never lacked anything in our lives and uh, always had good horses to ride and was surrounded by a community that wanted to see uh, my brother and I succeed. So it wasn't just my parents or family that we were uh, being raised by, but the, essentially the town itself. Tell us about your early years in school. Well, school was always kind of easy for me, to be honest. And I don't mean to say that as a an odd flex or a weird brag or school just, it always clicked for me. I thoroughly enjoyed reading, writing, was never terrible at the math side of things, but it definitely wasn't. School was something that I was very fortunate to excel in. And with that, uh, it allowed me to focus on a few other things in life, a few other things, extracurriculars, and take on other challenges. We did start out in Copeland, Kansas, where my mom was kind of around there from Gray County, Montezuma, actually. I went to school there up until second grade, and then I started out in Lakin in third grade. My younger brother, Hadley, he started out there in Lakin. We had such great teachers, and it was it was very fun to be able to come to a town that we knew all the people already because my grandmother had taught there for many years. My granddad was part of the school's maintenance department. My dad was from there originally. It was nice knowing most of the people, but boy, could I not get away with a single thing. If I tried anything silly or if I tried to be a little bit uh, rowdy or disruptive, um, it wasn't like most kids where, you know, they deal with it at school and then they call home after the school day's over with and inform the parents. No, it was mom and dad knew instantly because the teachers, their friends had told them 
And uh, it was dealt with right there instantly as well because the teachers pretty much knew that mom and dad had a policy that they could take care of it themselves knowing that they do what was best. So, uh, you know, that was one of the disadvantages, I guess you could say, of, of uh, having that tight-knit group of teacher friends and, I guess, family. But it allowed us to be able to do a lot more being in town with the grandparents and our, and our parents there. So if mom and dad was tied up at school, you know, fortunately, grandma and grandpa were in town that they could take care of us or get us out to the house or take us to the arena and practice and uh, pick us up and go take us to the local gas station and uh, grab something to drink and a snack and go wherever it was that we needed to be. Tell me about high school. High school was some four really good years. I made a lot of friends that I'm still in contact with today. I was blessed to be a part of my best friend in high school's wedding. High school, you know, for me was the chance to uh, kind of do my own thing. Always before, I did the sports as far as football, basketball, wrestling, baseball, all through grade school and middle school. Um, But I knew that in large part due to my dad being college football athlete and played high school football all four years there at Lakin and wasn't something that I really wanted to do. It was a sport that it was mainly his and was doing it to, you know, be more like him or to keep him happy and just kind of stay involved with as many things as I could. But more opportunities afforded me in high school to go a different direction. And uh, it was one of those, but it was one of the first times that I truly was able to step away and do what I truly wanted to do and not just do what I thought I had to do. So I quit playing football when I got to high school, uh, wrestled for one year in high school, and then decided to give that up as well. Picked up the golf clubs, played them quite a little bit, become a good pastime for me on the rodeo road too, to be able to go play with some friends or just go kill a couple hours when I've got uh, performance later in the day, so that's been good. And and honestly, I also found a a pretty good passion and love in high school for being an entertainer. My friends tease me just a little bit over my musical abilities back in high school, but I was in two high school musicals. We did uh, Seussical Junior and uh, Camelot. And I sure hope that there are no pictures to be found anywhere. So anybody that's <laughs> listening to this, just know and take my word for it that I was in them. Uh, there's no need to go search the Internet or the dark web to be trying and find any of those pictures. Uh, let's just leave them at rest. But uh, I did I did uh, enjoy that a lot just because, you know, being on the stage and entertaining a crowd. and It was one of those passions that you don't really know that you have until you get a chance to do it. And I think there's a lot of correlation between what I did back in high school and what I've currently built a career out of doing. The showmanship of it, the commanding a stage or engaging an audience, it all draws back to probably those early days. What did you do after high school? I had a very great opportunity presented to myself. Obviously, being from southwest Kansas, the greatest school to go to in Kansas would be Kansas State University. I'm sure that'll make some listeners a little upset. We might have just divided the crowd right there, but I'm (laughs) I'm biased, and I'll explain why here in just a little bit. It wasn't the path that I knew was set for me. Um, I, I needed to do something different. I wanted to go outside that comfort zone to where I would try and, you know, challenge myself to uh, do something different. Oklahoma State University ended up being my 
best option for a lot of reasons. It was a great university. They had great ag program. Rodeo is very alive and well and, and uh, you know, commonplace in all of Oklahoma, whereas, you know, in southwest Kansas, kind of hit or miss. You know, there's one rodeo this weekend, and three weeks from now there's another rodeo. Rodeos really don't happen until the fair run in, in the summer, so more of a uh, ease of access for me to get involved in some rodeo elements in Oklahoma. And plus, when I was looking into it and going, out-of-state tuition is a scary thing, and it's expensive, but hopefully I can educate some people here with this as well and, and uh, give them another route if they hadn't explored it. But there's a scholarship called the McKnight Scholarship at Oklahoma State University, and it's for out-of-state students only, and it affords a student the opportunity to go to school at OSU, and the out-of-state tuition is waived. Now, you still pay in-state tuition, but uh, the out-of-state tuition gets waived, plus they cut you a check for X number of dollars for your first freshman and sophomore year, and then they pay for a, a study abroad trip for the whole class somewhere overseas. I was uh, able to go to Italy and Greece for my study abroad trip. Had I not gone to Oklahoma State, I wouldn't be where I'm at in my career now. I wouldn't have met the people that elevated me to that next level that afforded me the opportunities to pick up the mic at different rodeos or be involved at a bigger level at certain events had I not gone to Oklahoma State University. And I wouldn't have had the McKnight Scholarship if it hadn't been for great people in southwest Kansas, a family by the name of Molina uh, out of Johnson County that I uh, got to know their son, and he's one of my best friends today, and uh, he's the one that taught me about it. So the big takeaway from everything from the early years to college to what I'm doing now is it was all a God thing. I'm blessed. Be a blessing because you're blessed. Tell us about the rodeo team experience. So after high school, I competed all through uh, middle school, high school. But after high school, I decided that it wasn't in my interest to compete afterwards. I've roped the rope and dummy. Um, I've been to a couple practice ropings uh, since then. But after high school, uh, it just wasn't in the cards for me to keep competing. So I uh, tried to get involved in other ways and uh, being part of the rodeo team as a kind of a uh, support member and whatnot was the best way for me. And that freshman year, they had an announcer. They had an announcer lined up to do the rodeo. I was just going to be there and wanted to learn as much as possible and kind of sit around and do whatever I could to be involved. Well, the announcer had to have surgery right before the college rodeo that year in 2016. And he was a little bit you know, down in the slumps and got easily exhausted because of the surgery and medicine. And so he asked if I wanted to co-announce the rodeo with him. Uh I was originally just going to do the slacks and then just hang around and watch the rodeo performances. But, uh, you know, he asked if I wanted to do the rodeo performance. And I, of course, jumped at the opportunity and wanted to be involved. And so ever since 2016, I've either co-announced or solo announced the Oklahoma State University Cowboy Stampede. I've been involved in other forms as well. They uh, have a yearly fundraiser ball 
and banquet, and I've either emceed the banquet or provided the sound equipment and a little bit of music for it. I think this will be the first year, actually, this year, 2024, will be the first year that I won't be able to attend it because I have an event in Minnesota that I'll be going to. It was great to be able to watch those contestants compete after having spent time with them in the classrooms. And then the other side to it that I've loved since picking up the microphone is all the kids that I competed with when I was in middle school and high school or even the younger siblings of those kids. Everyone that I've watched over the years, I'm now getting a chance to talk about at rodeos. So fun to see the the progression of all of them from the early days of their career to where they're at now and uh, you know the early days of my career to where I'm at now and us kind of be on the same level and get a chance to be at the same rodeos. I'm Tamara Wallace on the front porch and I've been visiting with Garrison Panzer originally from Lake in Kansas. We have learned about his growing up. We are going to take a short break. When we come back we will learn how Garrison became a rodeo Back on the front porch, I am Tamara Wallace visiting with Garrison Panzer, originally from Lake in Kansas. We have learned about his growing up. Now we will learn how Garrison became a rodeo announcer. Garrison, tell us more about the National Little Britches Rodeo Association, NLBRA. Rodeo Association that I think is the the jump start for any kid's career, whether it be competition, announcing, judging, whatever it is, I think that you could draw the line back all the way to Little Bridges for a lot of them. It's a great organization that is all about every kid is afforded the same opportunity. The other associations are as well, but saying more so to the point of from five years old to 18 years old, this is the only association in the country that is that wide of a range of ages and gives every single one of them the same chance, the same money, same prizes, same stage to compete on. When we started out, my dad and aunt aunt had competed in the Little Bridges Rodeo Association, and then, of course, it just trickled down, and and my dad eventually gave up competition and became became a rodeo judge. My granddad's been a rodeo judge for several years since retired, but then, of course, it just was natural for my brother and I to start competing in there. I was actually part of the very first group of little wranglers. They go little wranglers, juniors, and then seniors, so senior boys, senior girls, junior boys, junior girls, but little wranglers, a collective group. Boys and girls compete against each other. But I was part of the very first group of little wranglers that they ever allowed to compete at the National Little Bridges Finals Rodeo. And at the time, it was in Colorado Springs, did that for two years, and then we went to Pueblo, Colorado for maybe 10 or 11 years. I was able to take on other jobs and tasks and be involved in organizations like the National Overages Youth Board. Eventually, when I got involved with the youth board, it was about time for us to find a new home and location for Little Birch's Finals. And my second to last year, we started taking bids and applications for a new host site. And then it was uh, my senior year when we made the decision that we were going to move the finals from Colorado, which hadn't been in Colorado for decades. It was the original starting point for the National Liberties Radio Association. And the finals jumped around in the statement. So we took a, a couple bids and proposals, and it eventually became clear that we needed a site that allowed an even playing field for all the contestants and that site was the lazy e arena in oklahoma ironically the lazy e in guthrie oklahoma 
is a massive indoor arena. If you've ever been to Little Bridges Finals Rodeo prior to it moving to Guthrie, you'd know that uh, they do three arenas all in one spot, side-by-side. Side. High school finals does two. Uh, um, you know, the Liberties pride themselves in having the space for three. But it's a big undertaking, and it's a big footprint that it covers. So finding the right location was key, and the Lazy E just was a obvious choice because of the climate-controlled facility that allowed us to compete in, whether it was 97 degrees outside or 67 and raining. It was the same ground, same atmosphere. Everybody got a fair shot. And it's been there ever since 2016, first year that we hosted the finals in Oklahoma. And uh, it's been there since. And I think clearly it's uh, done the association well. And since they moved there, the association has grown in uh, franchise size, membership size. We used to not have a very big presence back in the eastern part of the United States. That's how involved uh, my family was through all of it. We we took a lot of pride in it, and I know the association does still to this day. Their presence in the eastern part of the United States has been booming ever since they moved to the Lazy E, and uh, I think it's going to continue to flourish. And tell us how you got started as a rodeo announcer. Being in Lakin was great for a lot of reasons. J&J Rodeo Company, and that is truly the biggest reason of it all. That family, the Jennings out of Lakin, Kansas, the man that started the company, Otis Jennings, was the father, and he started the company out a long time ago, I know, and uh, they started producing amateur rodeos, youth rodeos, um, everything there in Lakin. Uh, eventually, uh, just with time, Otis turned the rodeo company over to his son, the late Deke Jennings, who ran the company for decades, had the control over it, and was the one that, you know, would book all the contracts for the fair rodeos, would be the one to uh, contract stock to all the high school rodeos, take it to the state high school finals, Little Bridges finals. Eventually, he actually and passed away in a tragic accident in 2016, and his brother, Bud Jennings, been running it ever since. Growing up with the Jennings family, you know, I spent a lot of time with them, and it was always pretty apparent when, from an early age, my folks always joke that I love to talk. I've never met a stranger and uh, my folks always joke that when my younger brother was born and it came time for him to start talking, you know, they'd uh, ask him questions or whatever. They were always concerned that my brother would never learn to speak because I would always just answer for him. Or I would, But talking was always just something that I didn't struggle with. And so I eventually would go up and sit in the stand with Rita Devon and talk to her during some rodeos pick up the microphone every now and then for a run or two or take a break. I'd eventually, in the summer of 2015, Deke needed to fill one little rodeo, Trenton, Nebraska. Two-day rodeo, couldn't find anybody to go do it, wasn't very big at all. They were lacking in contestants. It wasn't going to be a, a well-paying rodeo for one of the uh, veterans of the game to go do. So he needed somebody that you know could go do it for a little bit of a discounted price. Come to find out later down the years, I realized what a majorly discounted price it actually was. But <laughs> part of cutting your teeth and part of getting your start. So anyways, went and did that first rodeo and just got hooked. I did the music from my iPad. Grandpa actually helped me buy a sound system. Now I think I've got more sound power and more volume 
capability and uh, clear quality in my pickup truck audio system than I did my very first rodeo announcing sound system. <laughs> uh, so it's fun to look back at that and been neat to look back and see where I started and what I'm doing now. That first rodeo where I'm pretty sure there was 12 people in the grandstands and I knew seven of them. So <laughs> I announced to five strangers and seven family or friends that you know I've known for years and mm-hmm. I've never been so nervous in my life to pick up a microphone and talk, but it uh, has eventually led me to do some of the rodeos that I'm doing today. allowed me to travel to Canada, California, out to the East Coast, and Georgia, and everywhere in between. How many rodeos do you announce each year? I'll announce 12 pro rodeos this year, 12 PRCA rodeos. I'll go back and do the college rodeo in Stillwater, hoping to eventually get to a point where I can pick up one or two more college rodeos in this region. And then a couple other, oh, either amateur rodeos or the horse show event this last November. I announced the National Cutting Horse Association's World Finals in mm. Fort Worth, Texas. Pick up a few bull ridings here and there. I also music direct at rodeos do a couple different rodeos here and there the national high school finals national junior high finals uh, music direct at the bob feist invitational team opening time event championships at lazy and then a few other bull riding and then the other side of it so it's kind of a three-point triangle for my career music directing announcing and then being production manager being the production manager you oversee everybody i oversee from the time we load into a facility or an arena you know whether there's uh, already dirt in the place and we just have to put up the fence and the bucket shoots and rope and shoots or if we've got a contract the dirt load them in um, all the way up to the lights that get put in and what's you know sort of light show moving lights and uh, we call it flash and trash uh, for the the flashy stuff that goes on the pyro to what the announcers say when they say it what videos get played it's overseeing from start to finish and everything in between what goes on at a rodeo i produce the cinch world's toughest rodeo tour the international finals rodeo the cinch time event championship wcra stampede at the e and the cinch playoffs governor's cup in sioux falls south Dakota. so those are some of the main events that I am the production manager for every year. Do you announce from the stand or on horseback? Both. I love both of them uh, at different facilities and buildings. I think that it works better at different uh, venues for announcing from the stand or the horse. I think that a horseback announcer draws a better connection with a crowd than somebody up in a booth. Now, if you can see the announcer, if the announcer stand is open or there's a deck to stand out on, then I think that's better off or you're just as well off to be there as you would a horse just because they can see you. People understand that it's not just a voice in the air making something up. I'm seeing the same thing you're seeing, whether I'm from the stand or a horse. You and I are watching the same thing. I just happen to know what a little bit more about the contestant or a little bit more about what just happened in the run or ride, and, and that's because I've been trained to do so. And so let me tell you why. I thoroughly enjoy being horseback because it gives me a chance to go back to you know my roots and where I started. This funny story, and there is video evidence of this, so 
Uh, unlike uh, my previous comment about let's leave the musical photos behind us, I was horseback announcing a rodeo in California last fall, and in the middle of the saddle bronc riding, the horse I was on top of decided that he didn't want to go back to the bucket chutes when I was trying to circle back around, letting the pickup man chase down a saddle bronc horse down the fence. And so I was trying to circle around, and my horse decided he wanted to go a different direction, and then I started to give him a little nudge and a little kick, and that's when he proceeded to uh, start to crow hop out across the arena. The video shows that he was crow hopping. In my mind, as I'm on this horse, microphone in hand, in front of 5,000 people in California, uh, just got done announcing uh, Statler Wright saddle bronc ride, and you know Statler being one of the you know the youngest Wright boy, but one of the greatest up and comers in the game right now. Trying to big sell it, finish it, finish it out, make a good closing remark, and. Anyways, this horse decides to crow hop out across the arena, oh. and uh, I proceed to have a yard sale. I, I have to drop my microphone. Oh. My papers go flying. I oh. lost my cowboy hat. Just oh. Everything fell apart all of a sudden because this horse decided to just go jumping out across the arena. It was funny for everybody involved but Garrison mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. time because mm-hmm. I was so embarrassed with what had happened. Now, I did stay on the horse. I didn't fall off. So I had that going for me. Uh, they still proceeded to tease me relentlessly throughout the weekend. Was this a new horse? No, it, that's what makes it even worse. Is uh, it's uh, a roan horse of the pickup and out there at the City of Industry Rodeo that uh, we were uh, using. It was a roan horse of his that he lent to several announcers uh, throughout the years. Um, it's a 13-year-old horse, I think is what he said, but. You know, uh, the, it, this horse had been everywhere. Been to Red Bluff, had been to Reno, and Salinas, California. Uh-huh. I mean, all these big, uh-huh. massive rodeos with ten times the amount of people. And anyways, and the, the announcer at all of those rodeos, Wayne Brooks, had used this horse time and time again. So I don't know if the horse just didn't like the, the new announcer. If there was something that mm-hmm. he saw that I didn't and decided he wanted to go a different direction, and we had a little disagreement. But uh, yeah, uh, tried and true pickup horse announcing horse that uh, just was having a bad day, I guess. I am Tamara Wallace on the front porch, and I have been visiting with Garrison Panzer, originally from Lakin, Kansas. We have learned about how he became a rodeo announcer. On that note, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back. We will learn about what it takes to be a rodeo announcer. Tamara Wallace here on the front porch, and I have been visiting with Garrison Panzer, originally from Lakin, Kansas. We have learned about how he became a rodeo announcer. Now we're going to learn about what it takes to be a rodeo announcer. Garrison, tell us the process when you're hired for an event. In our industry, it's very unique. It's more so just a bunch of word of mouth that gets you to where you're at. It's one person hearing you at at the location and uh, suggesting you to another. It's a lot of friends helping friends out. If I've got dates that I've already booked and filled, but I get a phone call saying, hey, we need somebody here at this time, then I call and tell another buddy of mine or give the person that just called me that friend's phone number, get them connected and help out as much as we can. And from case to case, I, I send a contract to a lot of the places just because I want to make sure it's clear on everything and no questions asked. And, and that way they have all the necessary information they have. There's other places that I go to that 
fortunately, we're still in an industry, and we're probably one of the last remaining uh, industries in the world where a handshake good is a contract. You know, that's just the cowboy way. A lot of business gets done over the phone, in passing, uh, sitting around after a rodeo, and somebody walks up that's putting on an event in a couple months and just realized that they wanted you to be a part of it. Tell us what a day of announcing at a rodeo looks like. A day in the life of a rodeo announcer, once I get to a location, once I do it, it's pretty grueling. Get up at about 9 a.m., sit around, drink a cup of coffee or two, maybe go play a little bit of golf, get out my notes and see if there's anything I need to add for the performance that night. Lunch, obviously, is included in there. Then go to the production meeting and get ready for the rodeo. Take all that just as a as a joking matter because it's the, the work that goes into it is all done two, three days in advance of the rodeo. That description there, it's very rarely is a day that easy, um, just because in my life at least, uh, you know, I've got enough stuff going on on top of that rodeo um, for, like I mentioned earlier, my production jobs that I usually have a few things that I, you know, take care of every day or try and stay on top of or discuss for the future. But the life of a rodeo announcer is jam-packed two to three days before a rodeo actually happens. All the notes that we take and the knowledge that we know, some of it we retain from event to event. And if you see some of the same contestants, it becomes easier to just spout it off effortlessly, recite it from memory. But most of the time you're seeing a fresh set of contestants and new guys that uh, you don't get a chance to see, but maybe once or twice a year. So you got to do a little bit of research on them. Sometimes, you know, with changes, you got to do that day of. But most of the time, when it gets so busy during a rodeo performance, that during the day of and the morning of, it's good to just take a moment to relax, do something fun, go spend time with contract personnel like bullfighters or the clown or even the stock contractors or some of the committee members, but go take some time to spend some time with them that's outside of work and uh, build those connections and relationships. And do you have your own sound? I do. I have a little bit. Nothing spectacular, nothing that could uh, just knock everybody's socks off, but I've, I've got enough to get me by for most venues and rodeos that I go to. A lot of times when I'm announcing, I don't provide sound or music. I just show up and announce. If I'm doing the music, most of the time I have to have the sound, but I try to focus on one job or another. If I'm music directing and announcing at the same time, then one job ends up suffering over the other. And I just don't think that's fair to a rodeo committee or a crowd to do multiple jobs, even though the two paychecks are kind of nice, but uh, it's just better for me to focus on one job versus the other. And Garrison, you are the communication for the crowd, contestants, workers, everyone that's there at the rodeo. What event does the crowd most generally like? It depends on where you're at. When you go to some of those I mean, West Coast rodeos, everybody loves the, the bucking stock events, bareback, saddle bronc, bull riding. For some reason, they sure love the barrel racing as well. They'll cheer louder in the barrel racing than they will for some of the rough stock events when those girls turn around the barrels. Everybody loves a good mutton busting because those kids are so darn cute. They're hard to not like them and be upset when they come out. But then go to South Dakota. I think rodeo is the state sport of South Dakota, but uh, if they had to define it to one event, it 
it would be saddle bronc riding. Most people can't get enough of it. You could go try and put on a full-fledged rodeo in South Dakota, but they'd be just as content if you did two hours of nothing but saddle bronc riding. Texas is more so generic rodeo, all the events and everything. The further east you get, they're more so the rough stock, showdio, do a lot of flashy stuff type events. But wherever you are in the world, it makes a difference on what event you'll hear those people cheer the loudest at. Tell us about your interactions with the rodeo clowns. That's also a case-by-case scenario. you got to figure out the little quirks and tricks and what makes a clown tick when you're working with them. Some guys that are very scripted, that they've got their set of jokes and their act and the way they talk to a crowd, you've got to be able to pick up on where they're going with it because it sets them up for what they're going to say and what they're going to do. There's other clowns and barrel men, entertainers, that are very good about just going with the flow and picking up on what just happened in the arena and making jokes about that it being just as natural and and easy going and funny as some guy with a list of jokes that he's scripted i like working with a clown that is the go with the flow whatever happens in the arena is what we're going to talk about kind of guy i like reacting to what happens in an arena versus having to have that set verbiage to make sure that the joke hits home just because I've got enough going on trying to announce and read the crowd and figure out where we're going next with whatever contestant is up or what's happening in the arena that uh, trying to remember some of the verbiage to set up the joke just gets a little more complicated. Tell us how you handle a tough situation when a contestant gets hurt. That is the uh, true test of any announcer right there. That's one of those deals that If you want to find out uh, how good you really are, be presented that opportunity, which you hope never happens, and uh, try and overcome it. I've been dealt that hand and had to uh, do it several times in my career. There's no right way to handle it. Again, case by case. That's the biggest takeaway from an announcer's role and job is, and what I hope other people can learn from this, very, very rarely, and and I'm talking in the world of percentages, maybe 2% of the time is what we say or do scripted. Everything else is acting, reacting, and uh, just being aware of what's going on in the arena and handling it as we go and that's something that you can't script that's something that you can't you know prepare for until it just happens it's so tough to know what to say what not to say the biggest thing that i would suggest to any announcer that's listening or anybody that uh, you know goes to a rodeo and listens if you watch and figure it out the true sign of an announcer that knows his position and knows his place is good about what he's doing he will not say very much in that situation it's a very basic listen something scary just happened that's what happens when you play this game and you involve live animals contestants it's a risk that we all know and are willing to take when we come to this arena but it did just happen as soon as we know more we'll tell you but for now let's sit if you want to say a prayer for him now would be the time but we'll let the doctors go to work on him and we'll get you more word once we know something as basic as that just to put everybody's mind at ease let them know that the situation is being taken care of something like that i think is better than anybody trying to talk somebody through it because reality of it is you just don't know do you advise the importance of safety for those attending a rodeo yes i do you know animal safety and contestant safety that's why we have an emt crew on site at every rodeo and if the EMTs get called out rodeo action stops 
can't compete. And it's actually part of about every rodeo association's rules. You have to have an EMT or ambulance on site before you can continue to compete. Animal safety and welfare is the utmost concern and priority for everybody that rodeos. I'd challenge anybody to tell me different. You know, that's where I think there's so much that could be learned from certain groups in this country if they would just come and ask the right questions and watch versus being upset with us. We treat our animals better than anybody else in the world. I think that goes for the entire agriculture industry. You know, it goes without saying. It's, that's our livelihood. You know, whether you're a rancher, you know, an FFA kid or 4-H kid, you know, with show steer, pig, a chicken, a horse or whatever, you know, that's your livelihood. So why would you treat them any different? Why would you treat them any, any more harshly? Um, and at rodeos, we have veterinarians on site to make sure that our animal athletes are safe and healthy as well. You know, if there's an incident or an accident in the arena, if let's say, for example, uh, a bucking horse goes down and the cowboy, you know, is with the horse or leg pinned underneath it, everybody's rushing out there to help. Well, I'll let you in on a little secret. <laughs> They're rushing out to get the cowboy away from the horse one, because, yeah, it's a safety issue for him, but they're going out to save the horse. I'll be truthfully yeah. honest with you. Yeah. Uh, they want that horse to not jump up and hurt itself mm-hmm. in a panic and frenzy mm-hmm. because they're very special animals to us. You know, get the cowboy to safety, but make sure that horse remains calm until everything is checked out and they know what's wrong. I am Tamara Wallace on the front porch, and I've been talking with Garrison Panzer, originally from Lake in Kansas. We have learned about what it takes to be a rodeo announcer. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we will learn about his goals and upcoming events. Back on the front porch, I am Tamara Wallace visiting with Garrison Panzer, originally from Lake in Kansas. We have learned about what it takes to be a rodeo announcer. Now we will learn about his goals and upcoming events. Garrison, tell us about your upcoming schedule. Well, so this year is going to be a big one as every year has kind of been recent. Say that just because it usually end every season or every year with the phrase, you know, man, this is the best year yet. And I don't know why I sound surprised or shocked or anything I say on this. I hope I hope it doesn't come across arrogantly. I, I don't want it to, I don't want to portray that. It's just, it's one of those things of, you know, in any industry, in any job, anything that uh, you do, if you are willing to go above and beyond, if you uh, do what is asked of you, and if you strive to improve with whatever it is, then why shouldn't it continue to grow and progress? So why I sound surprised and shocked every year or surprised myself, I haven't figured that out. Again, I guess it's just being aware that I'm fortunate and blessed to be in this industry. But, you know, this year is looking really good. Uh, started the year off with producing the Stampede at the E, WCRA's event, the International Finals Rodeo, the Cinch World's Toughest Rodeo Tour once again for the second year, and then added a couple new events to it. In February, got to announce a skijoring event, some downhill skiing with horses pulling the cowboys, produced the Cinch World's Toughest 40th Anniversary event, and then be involved with several events that I kind of have been for a couple years now, adding a couple new rodeos to the list, Pro rodeos in Minnesota, bull riding out in North Carolina. I'm hoping to go back to California for the pro rodeo in October. Just a couple new things here and there. Rodeos that have definitely kept me going, have kept me progressing in the career because I get a chance to try new things at them. 
and then uh, make those contacts and connections along the way. And what are your future goals? That's a tough one. I, I don't have a good answer on it yet. People have said over the last few years, at least to me, and uh, it gets told to others as well, that at some point you have to make a decision. You, you've got to decide, do you want to be a music director, do you want to be an announcer, or do you want to be a production manager? I'm just not satisfied with having to make that decision. I, I'm not satisfied with it having to be one or the other. I, I choose to believe that I can do multiple jobs and be successful at all of them just because I enjoy all of it. Eventually, I would like to get to the point where I'm announcing more than I am the others with still keeping some of those jobs on my schedule and staying involved with them. But it's tough because there are a lot of announcers in this world. And I'm going to hurt some feelings and say that even though there's a lot of announcers, there's only a few good ones. But there's even fewer music directors in this world. And in my personal opinion from production and uh, what I see and, and what little I do, you can cover up any rodeo performance and a decent announcer with a good music director. You can really make them shine. If you combine them, the two positions, a good music director with a decent announcer, you can make both of them look really, really good. So you can take a bad announcer and make him look somewhat decent with a good music director. And again, I know that's all controversial my opinion uh, there's nothing that's written in a book that says that there's no facts around it it's just what i choose to believe and what i've seen so since i do a little bit of music here and there the need for music directors is a little bit stronger this mm. this world right now you, we need more good music directors you know we we've got several decent announcers and really good announcers but there's a need for more people to pick up the music the reason i can kind of speak confidently on it is uh, because of my role as a production manager. My goal is to continue to do what I'm doing, adding a few new events every year, but while also exceeding and figuring out how to truly excel at putting on the best event possible in whatever capacity or role it may be. I want to be able to be as knowledgeable as a human being as possible to where I could answer any question or fill any role at any rodeo across the country. Do you have any sponsors? I do have some people that take care of me. I have a hat sponsorship, Western Legacy Hats, out of Weatherford, Texas. Marty Latta and his family, they are such good people and have been longtime family friends of ours. They've got a store in the stockyards at Oklahoma City. They are custom hat. He takes really good care of me. I've been with them for a couple years now. I don't really have any other official sponsors, but I do have people that, like I said, take care of me. Since jeans and shirts, I've got all the jeans and shirts that a man could want and then some. And not only that, but they've got other products as well, T-shirts, short sleeve shirts. Their outerwear is phenomenal. Uh, and it's socks and underwear, too. Uh, you know, so from head to toe, I'm just leading and not following. <laughs> uh, I've, I've got a, a pair of cinch socks on right now, as a matter of fact. Pretty uh, fun colored and, you know, make you stand out a little bit. Just be careful to not wear your socks with sandals because I think people make fun of you. But if they're fun colored and cool like the cinch ones, then maybe it's okay. Their products are incredible. And, and I made mention earlier, um, able to be involved with a lot of their events because they do take care of me and because I like riding for the brand. Other than that, any of the other stuff that I do, partnerships I have or 
things or items that you know I'm able to receive. It's just because of good friends and people that glad I get a chance to work with throughout the year. None of what I do and none of what any of us do in the industry for the products or for the sponsors, for to, to get the sponsors, us being able to work with them and having them on board and supporting us, that's just a bonus. What has been your greatest achievement in your career? That's a tough one. The, the greatest achievement for me... I'm going to go off the path of the announcer. I, I've, I've got to talk about the cinch playoffs in the Governor's Cup Rodeo. I was the production manager, PR manager for that rodeo. It was right off of doing the first year of the cinch world's toughest rodeo tour being the production and pr manager for it brand new rodeo our crew had never done it before it never happened before 1.1 million dollars got paid out over the course of three days everything that went into it from the team that we put together for production to working with the denny sanford premier center uh, everything that we're working on now our first year in 2023 was a giant hit and success since that event took place. I'd already had another couple site visits to Denny Sanford to go over new things that we're doing in 2024. We've already got meetings and conversations started for what we're doing in 2024. But that was probably the greatest achievement for me or greatest, maybe not even greatest achievement, but most rewarding job that I've been able to do was being involved in that. At the time, I was 25 years old to produce the second largest finals in the uh, PRCA and to be entrusted with all that I was by uh, my boss, Rory Lemmel, everybody at Cinch and uh, the PRCA. That was a huge accomplishment for me. I don't know what I did to deserve something like that, but I do know that it taught me a lot. I can't wait to see what we do at this next year. Garrison, one final question. How does someone contact you to book you as a rodeo announcer? Any way that uh, gets the message to me. If it needs to be smoke signals, carrier <laughs> pigeon, uh, text message, phone call, email, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take any form of communication. Uh, I've got a Facebook page, just Garrison Panzer, whether it's my personal one or my business one. I've got uh, you know all my contact information on there. I've got it on LinkedIn, uh, any social media, X, Instagram, and I'll, of course, share it now. You know, my cell phone number is 620-640-1733. My email is garrison.panzer at Um, gmail.com. Whether it's for, you know, booking a rodeo, uh, having a question uh, about uh, a rodeo event in particular, if it's how to get started in the industry, or if you want to have a hearty debate about anything controversial I've said in this interview, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for promoting and bettering our Western industry. I want to be the big of an advocate, that guy that, you know, anybody can look to and turn to and know that I'm confidently speaking about what, what I am and saying it from the heart. That's the best way I think that uh, I can promote myself and what we do for a living. Tamara Wallace here on the front porch visiting with Garrison Panzer, originally from Lakin, Kansas. He's only 26 years old, but rodeo has been in his whole life. Garrett started announcing rodeos at the age of 18 and became a PRCA rodeo announcer in that short amount of time. He announces for numerous organizations. Not only is he a rodeo announcer, but he is also involved in production and music. 
on the side of that as well. Garrison keeps the rodeo in motion as an announcer. He keeps the crowds entertained and the competitors informed. He is what keeps the rodeo successful. Be a blessing because you are blessed, are the last words Garrison says at the end of the rodeo. Garrison, thank you for visiting with me on the front porch and to everyone who joined our conversation today.